The New Testament book of Romans is a masterpiece of the Christian faith. Written to the new believers in first century Rome, it continues to speak to believers today. More than that, it is God's revealed truth to the world of His love for mankind and His plan to bring spiritual renewal to the world. It's heady stuff, this letter. Peace with God through faith. Struggling in the tension of doing things my way or God's way. The faithfulness of God and His incredible love for every one of us. God's love can be overwhelming. This learning to live in the freedom of God's grace. That's why we have titled this eight-week series, Drinking from Fire Hydrants, Renewed by Overwhelming Grace. Listen as Pastor Ron shares from the inspired words of the great teacher Paul from Romans, chapters 5 through 8, on God's overwhelming grace. Good morning, church. It is really, really good to be with you, and welcome if you haven't been here for a while, or if you're a brand new guest with us, we want to say especially welcome to you. Thanks for being here, part of the church family at Bridges, and if you've been here for a season, you know that we're just finishing, we just finished a series that began the new year about life's healing choices, and it was, it was all about how God is in the process of making us new, taking us from our shame and the guilt of our past, addressing issues that we have underneath the surface that a lot of times we don't talk about or we've, we've hidden, we haven't dealt with. He reaches down into the, the depths of who we are. And his agenda is to address those places of death and destruction, defeat, discouragement in us and bring new life. That's his, actually his, his eternal plan for us. And one day, he's going to make all things new. Today, he's in the middle of making us new. If you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've experienced new life in him, you have been made new, and he's in the process of making you new right now. Right as you sit here, he is in the process. But that can be painful, right? It can be hard. And so when we're talking through those things, like in the series of Life Healing Choices, I know many people including folks, some folks in my small group, are just wrestling with how, how God takes those places of hurt and pain and dysfunction in us, and in the process of making us new, we're wrestling through it, and it's hard to be vulnerable, and it's hard to actually address those places of sin and defeat in us. It's just difficult. I, I got a letter a couple years ago from my health care provider telling me that I was old. Really encouraging, right? And, and they said, as part of your oldness, Ron, we need you to take this special test where you drink 75 gallons of this liquid that'll do things to the inside of you, and then we're going to have this little fun test that we'd like to, for you to come in and take. Some of you who are old know what I'm talking about <laughs> right now, don't you? And, um, and I thought, no, you're not doing that to me. I don't, I don't think so. I'm good. And then my wife saw the letter. Oh, great. You know, so she holds me accountable. She's my, one of my, she's my chief accountability partner. And so I got to go to the doctor and do this stuff, you know. And, and I'm not going to go into the details of what a colonoscopy looks like or feels like. But I just want to say that um, it's supposed to be good for you. Like doctors are checking you out to make sure that you're, you're healthy. And this is, this is a good thing for you. But it's not always something that you embrace in life, that you seek out, is it? 
And in a, in a way, although your spiritual health and growth is not really to be likened to a colonoscopy, it can be in a sense because it's, it's about your health and you have to address those places that are not easy to go to or comfortable to go to. Why? Um, a few weeks ago, we got news from someone, soon I did, from someone we deeply love who is wrestling with their alcoholism. And it's causing just as you can imagine, just wreckage and uh, struggle in their family and uh, his kids, his job, um, just, just a wide spectrum of stuff. And um, I did not know this, but someone even close to me has been wrestling through this for decades, this place of trying to hide it and yet inside just, just really struggling, could not honestly confront the demons and destruction that's going on inside of him. And I know when I say that, that you have experienced a, probably a family member or perhaps even yourself have wrestled with places of addiction and destruction and hurt and pain inside of you, inside a family member, neighbor, person you work with, someone you love. That's why God makes things new. He knows the places in our life full of death. That's what sin does to us. The Bible says that the the wages, the payment of sin is death. It will wreck you. In fact, if you walked in here this morning and you've never addressed that, the Bible says you're, you're dead spiritually. And only God has the power to resurrect you, to make things new. And the marvelous wonder, the goodness of this good news that we celebrate and preach around here is that God loves to do this work. He loves to make what was dead alive, what is broken and dysfunctional new, what is dead new inside of you. And he does it once and for all when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done in space, time, history by coming to die on a cross for you and to give you new life and to make you new. And he's demonstrated his power to do that by rising from the dead. So if you place your faith in him, he can make you new. And if you don't, you're dead. That's that's as simple as I can make it. And for those of us who have placed our faith in him, we know that this is a process. He's still at work in us. And we're in the thick of it, and sometimes it's uncomfortable and hard, but it's good. Now, because we walk through this whole series of life's healing choices, and I know many of you are still in the process of dealing with some of those things, it can be hard, right? It can be a little bit of discouragement at times working through this stuff. So this morning, it's just going to be hopefully a, a a breath of fresh air, a, a wind to encourage you and to, and to strengthen you, that you walk out of here with all kinds of reasons to rejoice, reasons just to celebrate. There's all kinds of reasons to celebrate, aren't there? I, w- I want to show a video of some of the reasons why some of you are celebrating right now. Now, I, I just, um, some of you I know are basketball fans, many of you are not, but who cares? Um, so... <laughs> 
I just happened to be in my house and I was, I was turned it on in the third quarter and saw this you know, thing happening inside. I'm just by myself in the living room and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Oh, and I was getting more and more pumped about it. And I'm standing there just like, you know, yelling at the TV set, very intellectual thing to do, I know. And I'm, I'm yelling at it, getting more excited, but I'm by myself, you know, and so I want my family to share the kids. Hey kids, come on down here. You know, they're not basketball fans, but who cares? You know, we're just, this is a moment, you know, to, to celebrate. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually celebrate in things that really matter, that really rejoice in things, you know, and maybe at the end of this service, we're all going like this, three in one. Yeah, God is, God rocks. He's so great. You know, what is it that's going to propel us to rejoice in the Lord? And there's such a fantastic passage that we're going to dive into this morning. It's the very beginning of our series in Romans 5 through 8. It's found in Romans 5, 1 through 11, and it has all kinds of reasons for you to walk out of here celebrating and rejoicing and not just small reasons. I know, it's a big deal for some of you Warrior fans, but this is even bigger. This is so much better, so much more lasting and so much more at stake than an NBA championship, what we're about to read, starting in Romans chapter five, verse one. Romans five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What? Not one of you stood up and rejoiced? Really? That's, that's fantastic stuff here. I can rejoice in small things. I, I do rejoice in small things. My kids do their homework. That's a, that's a thing to rejoice in. And when it actually gets demonstrated in the report card, that's a thing to rejoice in, right? Um, I rejoice in the small things of life a lot and, and enjoy small things. And, but there are some things that are designed by God, my creator, to produce in my heart, deep down in my soul, a, a type of rejoicing that's unlike any other thing. When my rejoicing is in the greatest gifts that God has given, it's unsurpassed. When my rejoicing 
is in the things that are most significant. The gifts that God, by his grace, by his loving affection of me, those things that he gives to me freely and abundantly, when it's in that, then there's nothing like it. It's, it's the best that my rejoicing can possibly be. Better than a sports event. Better than like doing great at work. Achieving a project that I've been working hard at. Or any other thing. So, Paul gives us this great list here in Romans chapter 5 of things to rejoice in. Some reasons for you not to leave here without rejoicing in your heart. And here's the first one. That if we place our faith in Jesus and his work on the cross, we will be justified freely and completely. What? Still no rejoicing here in the house? Okay, so let me describe what's going on here. First, God, in his goodness and love for you, sees you as you are. And because, the Bible says, because of your rebellion, your sin against him, you have been condemned to eternity, separated from him in hell itself. Real place, real future, that's what you deserve. The Bible's crystal clear about that. That's what you deserve, condemnation. And yet, because of the mercy and grace of God, he looks at you, and if you trust him by faith in what Jesus has done, he takes Jesus' innocence, and he places it over you. Hallelujah. Yes, and he says, you are not guilty. You are justified by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you. Not guilty. You're justified. Yeah. You know why a statement like that can um, cause us to pause and not rejoice at times? There's some clear reasons, I think. Perhaps you're not living with a clear enough picture of what's at stake. When I say that you're justified if you've placed your faith in him, Perhaps you don't really realize the whole scope of God's justice and his holiness and what you deserve. Perhaps you think, well, my sin's not really that big of a deal. And God, if I just do enough good works, I'll be cool with God. But that's not what scripture teaches you. It teaches that, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But are justified by his grace and mercy if we place our faith in him. That everything is at stake. Your relationship with God right now and eternally is at stake. Your spiritual life and death is at stake. Your relationship with your wife and your kids, it's at stake. Your future, everything you are, your character, who you're becoming, who you'll be, your eternity, everything's at stake. That's why it's so significant and such a cause for rejoicing for those of us who know that we've been targets of the grace of God, of, the, of his mercies. And perhaps you've heard it before and grown accustomed to it, perhaps even feeling entitled. That's the reason why I don't rejoice like I should, because I've heard this. Many of you have heard Romans chapter 5 hundreds of times. 
and have grown accustomed to it, the mercies of God, the grace of God, and you, you take it for granted. You feel entitled like you somehow deserve God's mercy and grace. But that's not true. It's not true. Think about it. If the Warriors had won every single NBA championship to this date, would you be excited about how they're doing right now? No, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. You'd be like a Laker fan. (laughs) You'd feel entitled, right? But now, when they're finally at the cusp of doing something great, I have talked to somebody after service, and they're still like, like, I can't believe it yet. I still want to guard my heart. I don't know they're going to let me down. Right on the cusp, you think, wow, finally they've got a great team. Yeah, you're excited. You're rejoicing. It's more exciting. Perhaps you started to become entitled, though you wouldn't acknowledge it. Don't do that. God's mercy and grace has rescued you, has rescued Lance and me. Praise God for that, right? Yeah. So we rejoice in this. And not only our justification... We don't want to be entitled, feel entitled to that, but there's a whole long list of things that, that have been told to us, taught in this very passage in Romans chapter 5 for us to rejoice in. And yet the game plan of Satan is to diminish God and the wonder and majesty of his work. So it's so easy for us to forget this stuff and to not rejoice in it because your adversary, the devil, wants to steer you away from a heart of rejoicing. Let's rehearse it, why we rejoice again. So our justification, and as a result of that justification, Scripture says, you now have peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not only is the hostility between you and God cease, like there's a ceasefire, but there's something positive going on. The the original Greek word, or the Hebrew word for this, the shalom of God is not just that you now are, have stopped firing your shots at God and God, his wrath at you, but, but it's a positive thing. You're now on the same team. You have the same objectives. You, you are friends, scripture says, with God. Isn't that a great thing? That we are his friends and he has given us his peace regardless of what's going on in our other relationship or the other circumstances of life, we now have peace. In the midst of any and every difficulty, you can experience confidence and security and a quietness of spirit. That's the peace of God. There's a great picture of this in Isaiah 32 of people who had longed walked away from God and wrestled with their relationship with the people of Israel. And Isaiah is speaking a promise into them for what's going to happen in the future that God would by his spirit, pour out his righteousness. Ooh, that's a New Testament thing that happened, right? Time and space, it happened actually. He poured out his righteousness. And as a result, Isaiah says, what God is going to do, people will experience peace. When I know that I am right with God, I have peace. And that's a reason to rejoice. I'm no longer fighting it, struggling against it, but now I can have confidence because God is true to his promises. He is faithful and sure for me. So I rejoice in that. And not only that, but here in Romans 5, it says, we now stand in grace. Did you see that? Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now 
are knee deep, neck deep. We're, we're in this place where we're covered with God's grace. Every moment, every place we go, we are in the thick of the grace of God has poured out love for us and we don't deserve it every moment, every day. I still love you, Dolores. I'm going to keep loving you regardless of what happens in your life. I'm just, I'm just going to keep loving you. You know that. The love of God poured out, Kyle, to you, right? Just tenacious and faithful and you're in the thick of it right now. So rejoice in that great truth that, that God will never give up on you, that he'll always keep pouring out his love toward you. His grace and mercy is new every and moment. You stand in the middle of it, Paul says. And this place, the gifts of the Lord leads me to, is full of hope. It's full of hope. I love that little bridge that Matt Redman wrote in uh, his song of praise where it says, I'm breathing in your grace and breathing out your praise. Right? So I receive the mercies of God and I breathe out as a reflex his praise. I rejoice in what God is doing. And in that place where I'm standing, there is great hope. Now Paul is writing to a people who are in the thick of being persecuted, struggling. You know, they have family members that are dying for their faith. It's very personal words that he writes here. And in the middle of that writing, he says, there is hope. There's hope one day because God wins. There is hope for every person because God has promised his victory for us who are his, who believe, who placed our faith in him, that one day we will see the glory of God and we will see his victory and enjoy it. We will be there. And this is a moment, a reason for rejoicing for us, that there is hope in him. And there is hope for us right now because God is always faithful to his word, regardless of what is happening. There is this old hymn that says, And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. Those are great words for me right now that bless me with hope that I am his and he walks with me every moment. He's with me. So there's great hope. And then Paul gives us this next reason, which some of us wrestle with. In fact, we all wrestle with, right? That we rejoice even in? Yes, CJ, you got that. Suffering. I rejoice even in my suffering. The message here is that life is not random, God is sovereign. And in every one of my circumstances, even the hardest circumstances that I find myself in the middle of, my suffering and pain that I am enduring right now, he is carving out inside of me character. It's not wasted. No moment, no circumstance is wasted in my life right now. No suffering that I'm enduring right now. But that God can use that to shape my character and for me to acknowledge that he's always with me and to give me confidence and hope in the thick of my suffering, that, that he is present and active, that I rejoice even in my suffering because that reveals character and it shapes my character to be like his and because it reveals the awesome presence and power of God with me right now, regardless of what I'm doing, regardless of what I'm going through. This is a reason to hope.
Hello? It's a reason to rejoice. Yeah. And not only that, I rejoice in God's love. So, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts like a fire hydrant. His love has been spraying us. And the evidence of that is his Holy Spirit. And you might say, that's all the evidence he's got? I don't really feel the Holy Spirit. I don't see him personally. So how do I really know of the love of God right now in this moment? How do, how do I know that? Let me ask you a couple questions to help you discern. Have you ever experienced as you've been reading God's word to you, an aha moment like, oh, wow. Have you ever been in the thick of struggle in your life and sensed God's comfort to you? Have you ever been in a conversation with a person telling them about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ and they get it and they come to faith? Have you ever been convicted of something in your own life since that it was sin and God wanted to deal with it and bring healing to your life? Have you ever experienced the joy of your salvation? All these are marks of the Holy Spirit, that he's present and active and helping you understand that God loves you and God is with you, present tense, working with you. You ought to be rejoicing in the love of God made manifest and apparent. And we rejoice because of our salvation, Scripture says, while we were still weak. At the right time, don't you love this? God died for the ungodly, for the person that was not spiritually minded, that was apart from God. That word describes Bill, right? Describes me and you. And just the right moment, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, because Mario was separated from him and couldn't do anything in his relationship, and he loved Mario, and he would not let Mario go down his own path of destruction. And so he poured out his grace for him and said, Mario, here it is. Do you want to be rescued from all the destruction, the junk of your past, the guilt, the shame? Do you want that? And when Mario said yes, because I happen to know he said yes, when Mario said yes, God rescued him not because he did anything to deserve it, not because he has cool tattoos. He did it because he loved Mario by his grace and power. He's done that for you. Listen, if you came this morning and you've got no really lasting reason to rejoice right now, this moment, you can. You can simply turn to Jesus Christ who has loved you and demonstrated his love towards you in while you were still a sinner and separated from him, he died for you. Yeah, sure, some people might even risk that, but God himself, when he did that, he invited you into relationship. And right now, where you sit, this moment, you can experience a change. You can experience new life. 
And for those of you who have experienced the joy of your salvation, you have trusted Jesus and, be, and been made new. This is the, a great reason to rejoice. So if that describes you, if you've entered in a relationship with him, in this moment right now, I'm going to ask you simply to rejoice. Put a smile on your face, have a conversation with God, and say, Whew, thank you so much. And if that does not describe you yet, and you came here, and you're hearing this, and it makes sense, and you long to be made right with God, in this moment of conversation with God we're going to have in just a moment, I'm just going to ask you to put your play, place your faith in Jesus Christ and say yes to him and ask him to make you new, to forgive you of your sin, guilt and shame, the junk of that, and to make you brand new by his grace. Just place your faith in him. So right now, where you are, regardless of where you're at in life, would you just, I'm going to invite you just to have a private conversation with God. If you want to place your faith in him, do that right now. And if you've already have done that, just rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in it. Don't let anything separate you from God. Do not let yourself walk out of here without a heart to rejoice. Be encouraged. Just deal with it. The Lord God loves to deal with this stuff in you. Amen. One more reason. We rejoice because we are reconciled. At one point, I was separated from God. At one point, there was no relationship. It was dead. But God, in his mercy and his grace, he restored me and you into right relationship, into health and wholeness in our relationship. He forgave me. He poured out his love. He said, it's good. Debbie, I, I love you. And I've forgiven you. Let's step into a great relationship this day. He has reconciled you and is in the process of making all of your relationships healed and reconciled. It's a cause for rejoicing. Another cause, Scripture says, more than that is verse 11. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Our relationship with him made right and new and whole. Now imagine for a moment that the Warriors actually get to game seven of the NBA championship. I know it's a stretch for some of you, but just imagine. They get there, and you're at the game. Someone's giving you tickets, and you're right there, courtside tickets. And the crowd is just, you know, building, and the excitement is building, and, and they're down by two points with just a couple seconds left, and and they pass it to Curry, and Curry's like 30 feet out and just throws a bomb, and he sinks it. And the crowd doesn't do anything. They're just quiet. <laughs> it's silent. Can you imagine that? No. That'd be foolish. Why? 
They'd be rejoicing. They'd be screaming, you know, their lungs out. They'd be rejoicing. And that's trivial stuff compared to the mercies of God that we just read. It's so trivial. It's not going to last. There'll be another NBA championship next year. But this is eternal. This is stuff that rocks. That's so meaningful. So we rejoice in God, our Savior. Now, why would Steph Curry be able to hit that outside shot? Well, genetics helps a lot. (laughs) But because he practiced and practiced and practiced. And I believe that rejoicing takes practice. And actually, for some of us, we need a lot of practice in rejoicing, don't we? For all of us, we can step into this to recall the mercies of God and to rejoice. So a couple assignments. The way to put flesh on this passage for us. First, before you go to sleep, every night this week, rejoice. Yeah, you might freak out your wife or your kids or whatever, but who cares? You guys might freak out your parents. That's all good, right? Rejoice. Sing a song. Shout it out. Find some creative way to rejoice in God and celebrate this great truth, how much he has loved you that you stand in the thick of grace. And second, sing these next songs. These next songs we're about to enter into worship in with a smile on your face and with a lot of rejoicing. Would you rise and worship with me, please? Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.